Hi, and welcome to the River of Life Assembly of God podcast. We are so glad you joined us. Our prayer is that today's message will impact your life in a positive way. We believe there is power in the Word of God. So open your heart and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you today. Hi, this is Eddie Markham, pastor of River of Life Church, and this is our podcast. I just want to say thank you for taking the time and listening to our podcast. Hopefully you're going to be inspired and impacted by our message today. I also want to let you know what's going on here at River of Life. God has just been blessing us, and we have outgrown our facility, and the time has come for us to get into a new building. We need to get into a bigger building. So we have kicked off a building campaign this year, and we are moving forward. And God is blessing it. So we are reaching out to you, our podcast listening audience. And just want to encourage you that if you would like to participate and make a donation into our building fund, please head over to our website. It's www.rol-ag.com. And right on the homepage there is a little donate button. Click on that. Follow the instructions and just sow your seed, sow into this ministry and help us make this happen. I want to say thank you in advance, and I pray God continue to bless you and impact your life as you listen to the ministry at River of Life. Matthew, let me read this scripture to you today. We are in a series called A Church Worth Building, and I thank you for your attendance coming during this vacation season. Many are here and there, so I love that we have take advantage of these two services. Come to the morning service if you got afternoon plans or late if you want to do the morning, whatever. So let's, these because these messages are important. I know we have a podcast. Welcome our podcast listening audience. Amen. Podcasts are cool, but how many know it's nothing is the same as being there? So, amen. You need to get to the house of God. Continue to come as much as you can. These messages uh, we have been talking about is about a church worth building, why we are building this building, you know, what kind of a church that we are building. And so we're here in Matthew chapter 21. Jesus is coming to town. This is the first time Jesus comes to church. And this is what he does in verse 12. Very familiar story. Jesus went into the temple of God. And he drove out all of those who bought and sold in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. Real important because the scripture specifically says sold doves. And he said to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer. But you've made it a den of thieves. You've allowed corruption in. Then, everyone say then. Then the blind and the lame, then they came to him in the temple, and he healed them. And when the scribes and the, or the chief priests and the scribes, they were, they were wonderful things that he did, and the children crying out in the temple, Hosanna, the son of David, and he said to them, do you hear what they are saying? And Jesus said to them, yeah, I've heard. Have you not read out of the mouth of babes and the nursing infants you have perfected praise? Then he left them and he went out into the city of Bethany and he lodged there. I want to talk to you today. Last week it was a church worth building is a church that is missional. And we had a wonderful family from our church that's from India who was impacted by the life of a missionary and they shared their story at both services. So I encourage you, if you missed that, go to our podcast and listen to what, how a missionary has impacted both of their lives in the country of India. We've got people listening to us, matter of fact, to these messages and we want to bless them as well in Jesus name but this week is a church worth building is a praying church that's right I'm going to talk about prayer today so don't get too excited 
quit running around. Don't jump up. Don't shout me down. We're going to talk about that awesome thing that we all love to hear. Prayer. Prayer, prayer, prayer. Father, we love you today. And God, I pray once again in this service, as you did it before, that you would just stir our hearts, create a hunger, create a passion, create an excitement that we would want to pray, want to get into your presence. Father, let us see how nothing is done in the kingdom without prayer. Father, we pray that in this place today. Have your way in Jesus' name. If you agree with that, shout amen. You may be seated. Amen. As you come into the property, I love coming across into the driveway and seeing the grass getting cut, looking so good. We have Don Swinson and Roger Kendrick who uh, do the yard of our church every year, all the acres, Bob, or I mean, uh, Paul comes out and weed wax it. I mean, we got great brothers and sisters that help keep the house of God looking good. But when we get this building up, uh, in fact, go back to that next slide, that first slide back there, Carissa. This is what the building's going to look like right here, amen? And, and how beautiful that is, uh, I want to show you something. When you come onto the property, you're going to see right where the, uh, on the other side is where we'll be coming in, on the other side of the yellow truck, okay? I want you to use your imagination with me for the next few minutes, okay? But this side of the building is the way out, and the other side is the entrance. But as you come up, you're going to see this building up, and you're going to see that the parking lot has been extended. We're going to have to extend the parking lot all the way back to the volleyball nets, uh, the DTE pole will be getting removed here within the next couple of months. Uh, we're going to start doing some things inside of this building to get us ready, uh, removing some of the lighting, changing the lighting, all these ever different things. And so when you're, you're going to have plenty of parking out there and, and uh, with some lights, and DTE is going to drop three poles out there, little islands with lights on them. So how many, how many can see that right now by faith in Jesus' name? Amen. And then you're going to come into the building, and it's going to be in right behind us. And as you walk in, you're going to look and see the beautiful brand new carpet and you're going to smell the paint and you're going to see all the new stuff and you might even smell something wonderful that's off to the right and it's going to be, yes, coffee, coffee from Honduras, amen? We got connections with that. You even had coffee until you've had Honduran coffee where we're going to have missions teams going over there worshiping and, and uh, ministering, I should say, and worshiping, but bringing back suitcases full of the good stuff. I'm talking about Coffee, okay, okay, we are Christians, amen. Uh, so that's what's going to be over there. Then you're going to walk down the hallway here, the corridor, which is going to be a beautiful uh, area with some seating and some skylights and some windows that are along the side. Check in your kids. River kids are going to be right here having church with a, just a rock'em, sock'em. That's a kind of old, outdated way of saying it. Awesome, whatever. I don't really have kids anymore, little ones like that. Uh, but this is going to be happening right here with kids, you know. Mm -hmm. I don't know, whatever. And uh, they're going to be doing it for Jesus. Amen. Are you with me? You're picturing that? And it's going to be beautiful. It's going to be all that fun stuff. Or you might skip all of that. It may not even be in a coffee. Maybe you're a tea person like my wife. Amen. God bless you. Whatever. You may want to come right into the new sanctuary. Big, spacious sanctuary with people in it full and big stage to move around on and want to join into pre-service prayer where we're praying and calling the fire of God down in the presence of God down. Amen? Can you see that? Can you see that at 1130? Amen. All right. That's awesome. Here's my point. That's all wonderful and that's all beautiful, but I, I will guarantee you that there will be no one that will come into the building that will notice 
the foundation of the building. They, they will, no one ever comes in when you build a house and go, this is a beautiful foundation, right? No one comes in and says, man, is this concrete? I mean, how deep did you build it? I mean, what, you know, no one does that because we, we want to see all the beautiful windows and we want to know what kind of music and instruments we're going to have, what kind of sound. And, and I get that that's all important, but I want you to know that the most, the single most important part of a structure is the foundation. And today when I'm talking about prayer, I want you to see what Jesus was doing. What Jesus was doing, the very first thing that he did when he came to church, he wasn't impressed with everything else that was happening. He was bringing the church back to the foundation, and that is the word of God, and that is prayer, getting it back in the church. Woo! Yes! I love prayer. This is the first thing I want you to notice that Jesus did when he came to church. The first thing. He actually did it twice in his ministry. He did it in the beginning of his ministry, and he did it at the end of the ministry where he flipped over tables. Why? Because we can get off track from prayer so easy. And the very first thing that he did is he went in and he began to restore prayer back into church. We have these bracelets that are back there on the back table. They're free. They're for you to have. And it says prayer, pray first. We go through these like crazy. I love to see them go. I see people with them all over. And what they're simply meant to do is to help remind you of this simple principle, and that is to pray first. You have to remember that, we, you know, we always say, well, if nothing else is working, the least I can do is pray for you. Or if, you know, this ain't seeming to work, I, I guess I can just pray. We need to reword that or rephrase that and see that prayer needs to become the very first thing that you and I do. You're going to have to get more excited about that today. Help me. I'm going through this a second time, so you got to make it like it's all fresh, okay? Prayer. And I know it's not real exciting. It's not because we do like the coffee cafe area. We do love the lights and the screens and all of that stuff, and, but we forget that it's prayer. You know what's going to help you weather the storm? It's the foundation of a building. And what will help you weather the storms of life is going to be your ability to be able to call upon God. It's going to be your prayer life, your ability to get into his presence. Yes. Yes. Hear me today. So he was restoring prayer. And by the way, I didn't say this in the first service, but when we put our foundation in back there, I'm going to put Bibles in the concrete because I want the foundation of this church to be put in the word of God and in prayer. I'm going to walk over and I'm going to write in my finger right in the corner that this building on this day, 2019, come on, will be dedicated to the winning of souls for Jesus Christ. This property, this building will be founded upon the word of God and upon prayer. And as long as I got breath in my body, whether we have 300, 500, 6,000, and we're doing seven services a day, whatever God does, our focus is going to be on winning souls, advancing the kingdom of God, tearing the kingdom of the enemy down. Come on, are you with me? That's what we're going to do. That's the foundation of this church. The paint color and carpet churches split, have split over the, that. Nonsense. No one ever got saved over the color of a church's color, uh, carpet. People talk about your culture of your church. I hear about it every time I go to pastor's things and I read books. And I understand every church has a culture, has a, has a, has a, has a swag, has a feel to it. I understand that. We have one. Ours is different. You know, every church is different. But has anyone here given your heart to Jesus to become a Christian because of the culture that's in the church? No, what? You heard the gospel. 
you heard the message of Jesus Christ and the spirit of almighty God has come upon your heart because the Bible says no man can get saved unless the spirit draws you. Somewhere in that message about Jesus, you felt a drawing and a wooing and a pulling to come and surrender your life to Jesus Christ and that is why you got saved. Come on somebody. That's what Jesus is doing here is he is restoring the church to prayer. This event is recorded in all four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Those are the four books of the Bible that tells us the life, uh, the birth, the life, and the death of Jesus Christ, right? Very few things are mentioned in all four. That's why you can read Matthew and some things that Matthew saw and he recorded is not in Mark. Mark is the shortest and powerful. They believe it's the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke were all taken from uh, Mark. And when you start studying this and, and, and you'll understand this, but there are very few things that are mentioned in all four. This story is mentioned in all four gospels because that is how important it is to God that we become a church and we become a people that is desiring to pray. But I want to show you today that every four, all four of these gospels, every time they told this story that we just read, they gave something different. They gave a different insight to prayer, which I believe is an insight to what happens when we pray. Are you ready? Number one, Matthew shows us, and he says right after Jesus cleansed the table, uh, cleanses the temple. By the way, what they were doing is they were, you were never supposed to come before God empty-handed. That's the law. God said, I don't want to ever have you come to my temple empty-handed because you're insulting me. You're saying, I haven't given you anything. And so the Jewish people in the Levitical law, you had to come with something before God. Also, that was to, to sacrifice your sins. That was to atone for your sins. So you would, uh, you would have to bring a lamb, a goat, depending on your sin and all of that stuff. But how many know Jesus took the, went on the cross for our sin? That's why we don't sacrifice animals. He was the atonement that died, and he shed his blood for everybody in America, everybody in the world. Come on, somebody. Amen. So Jerusalem being in the center of Israel over there, people would travel, the Jewish people would travel from all over the area. So many didn't bring their sacrifices so you could go to the temple and it was a legitimate way for the temple to make money. They would buy certain sacrifices. But what happened was corruption came into the church and they began, the merchants began to take advantage and it specifically says doves. Why is that important? Because doves and pigeons were designated for the poorest of the poor. They couldn't afford a lamb. They couldn't afford an ox or a bull. Or they had to uh, stay with pigeons and doves were for the poorest family. You'll, you'll remember that Jesus' family uh, gave pigeons when they came and brought Jesus as a baby. So let's just know that Mary and Joseph was actually kind of poor. But what he's doing is specifically mentioned uh, doves because the merchants were taking advantage of the people and they were taking advantage of the poor people. They were overcharging them and they began to just sell them all over the place and they lost their focus of why the church was to be there in the first place. And that was so that all people could come and offer up their sacrifices to God and experience God's presence into their life. And Jesus said, whoa, whoa, you are doing this wrong. You are doing church wrong. This isn't about that. It's about people encountering God. So that's why he threw over the tables. But I want you to see what Matthew says. Matthew says in verse 14, then, everyone say then. Right after Jesus did this, the only, Matthew's the only one that says this. He says, then the blind and the lame came and he healed them. So number one, prayer restores miracles. Yes. Hear me today. 
Prayer restores miracles. You need a miracle in your life, it will only come by prayer. People think because you have a need, just because we have a need, it don't mean God's going to answer that need. There were people that had needs all over the place, and Jesus did not, an, did not heal everybody. He healed only those people who were asking for it, only those people who were hungry, only those people that went for it. The woman with the issue of blood, for 18 years she had a flow of blood and the doctors tried everything and could not heal her and she would not have been healed, but she did one thing. The Bible says, what did she do? She sat home and just had a pity party. No, she pressed through the crowd. She took a risk of everybody else making fun of her or even stoning her because she was unclean. She was considered unclean because of her illness. She took a risk and she just went out in front of everybody. She reached through the crowd and she touched the hem of his garment. And the power of God healed that woman. In Acts chapter 12, Peter was arrested for preaching the gospel, and it says he was kept in prison, but watch the church. But constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. And you know the story. What happened? Because the church was praying, an angel appeared and got him out of jail. It was a miraculous Story You can read it there in Acts 12, how it happened. But it specifically says that God sent an angel to deliver Peter only because there was a church that was praying for him to get set free. Can I tell you, the only way your loved ones are going to get set free, the only way your family is going to get delivered and set free is if you and I will stand in the gap and begin to pray for them. I looked around in the 930 service and was just calling testimonies out of people. And I know I could do the same thing in this church where God is healing and delivering people. I remember this man right here, Guidom, came Tuesday afternoon before our Tuesday night prayer and got here on his knees and with his worship music when nobody was here, just him and God, and began to pray. God, Brother, God saw you did that. I don't mean to say that to, to puff him up or to embarrass him. I just want you to see, watch he get a breakthrough. God, his, his brother was healed of cancer because we stood in this place and prayed for God to heal him and his brother. His cancer went into remission. On over and over and over and over again, we have prayed. We've prayed for my adopted grandma, I don't know how many times. And God just keeps adding to her, her life. She's going to outlive us all. Come on, somebody. Because we pray, we pray. We have another grandmother in this church that just uh, two years, last year, we went in to pray for her. She was on her deathbed. Doctors told the family, called the family in. I went in with them. I went into that room, and it's a scary thing. When you're shutting the curtain in the machine there, there she's about 70 pounds, if that. And her numbers were lowest than I've ever, I've never seen blood pressure numbers that low. They were in the teens. It, it was, she was gone. And the doctors left, and when the doctors leave, I don't want to say to puff me up, but the man of God comes in, or the woman of God. Let me say, when, when medicine can do all it can do, and I love medicine, thank God for it. Luke, who wrote the book of Luke, it was a physician. God is, blesses medicine, but when med medicine can only go so far, can I tell you that God is the healer? Amen. Please get that. God is the healer. We walked into that room and began to pray, and I looked at her husband. I said, honey, I said, sir. I didn't call him honey. I said, sir, that would be wrong. Anyway, I said, brother, what do you want to do? Because they're getting old. They're up there in age. And, you know, sometimes you don't know what God's will is for people. That's why we pray in the Holy Ghost. Come on, somebody. And so I, she said, he said, I, I want her here. I said, come on, we begin to pray. And all the nurses left except for one. There was, how many of God's got some Christian nurses out there? 
I met them when I was in the hospital, Christian surgeons who came in and with their white coats explaining to me how marvelous God had created the body. And I'm sitting there with a thing in my back and all this and like, what? And this guy's preaching to me. I was like, come on, somebody, come on, now bring it. Amen. God's got his people everywhere. And I'll never forget they all stepped out, but that praying nurse stayed in. She had her mask on, and you could just see her just praying. She's praying in the Holy Ghost. We're praying. And we begin to pray. And, and immediately, Melinda reached in, and she began to pray in the Holy Ghost. We begin to pray right there at the hospital. Father, Lord, I pray, God, that you would just bring life back into this woman. Father, add to her years like you did Hezekiah. Father, we're not ready to say goodbye. Bring her back in Jesus' name. And I kid you not, I'm standing right here. Immediately, those numbers begin to go do, 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 all the way right there in front. Pressure begin to come right back in. Amen. Give God glory. The doctor stepped out for a minute and he came back in. The first words out of his mouth was, whoa, what happened? God happened. God happened. Roger Kendrick, who came to the 930, I remember praying for him. I could go all day on these, by the way. 9.30, he come to the 9.30 service. I remember he had a ma major heart problem and, and he had to have his leg amputated because of the infection. He was in a very bad situation and we prayed. And on that Wednesday, we prayed on Monday night. Our prayer was on Monday night in those days instead of Tuesday. Now it's on Tuesday nights at 6.30. Anyway, and uh, so we were praying for him and we, the whole church began to pray. Surgeons tried everything. His body made a bypass of its own while we, I mean, God just answered prayer and made its own bypass. And those of you that know about heart problems, you know, that's a miracle of God and made its own bypass and blood began to circulate and just grow. And the doctors came in and said, whoa, this, they said, do you know how this is very rare? Your body made its own bypass. He said, let me correct you with just a whisper. Roger said, it wasn't my body. It was the man that made my body. Come on, give me praise right now. I'm telling you, it, it, it works. Works. And now this brother is serving God with his little ponytail. How many know God loves men with ponytails? That's all right, amen? He's the one that cuts our grass. And the brother, I mean, hell, on and on and on. How many prayer requests have you seen, Kim, that God answered? He used to lead our prayer. And such a prayer warrior this woman is. And God has, I remember getting prayer with her and sister Liz before when Liz was with us. Now she's down in... Carolinas or something. I remember standing right here. Is this okay? I may go all day on testimonies today. Amen. I'm telling you, this works. And I have allergies. How many have allergies? Amen. I rebuke that devil in Jesus' name. I, I hate allergies. And, and I had a sinus infection that come with it. It was miserable. I mean, the pressure in my head. But I came to prayer that night. I knew I had to, I didn't come all the time to prayer. And let me just say this. We have prayer at 630. And I said it in the first service. I don't really push and drive for all of our leaders and everyone to come. Because if I did push it, I know the, you guys that do so much around here would be the ones that come. And you already are here on Wednesdays, Thursdays, Fridays, and so many. And so I, I don't make it mandatory, and I don't come with that kind of perspective, but I come like this. How about we commit to come maybe once a month? Once every, those of you that work real late, and it's hard for you to get here, maybe once a month, say, hey, boss, can I leave a little early? Because I need to get to the house. If we had just this many that showed up on a Tuesday night, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, listen to me, miracle. Miracles would break out. I'm telling you, God would enter because he responds to prayer like that. Hear me. Hear me. I remember standing right here and they laid hands on me and prayed. I don't know if you remember this, Kim. And, and the pressure immediately began to just leave my, my whole sinuses and I could breathe. And if you've ever dealt with sinuses, I mean, just being able to go. 
it's a miracle. You know, you, you stuff and toilet paper up your nose and everything when, you, when it's miserable. But right here, just a, just a simple prayer meeting, the power of God just came over me and that thing broke through and I was healed instantly, went back to work the next day, on and on and on because of prayer. Come on, say prayer. prayer. Miracles happen because of prayer. I could go all day. I'm here today. As I said in the morning service, I shared about my story, how my mom put my picture on churches and had all the churches in Michigan, in the out of Michigan, praying for this boy. When I was out there running the streets, involved in the inner city street gang, drugs, alcohol, addicted, I was messed up out of my mind. The harder they prayed, the worse I got. That's how you know God's working, by the way. And I told some stories, and I tell them every now and then, and they're just, all they are is to glorify how God has brought me out and saved my life. There's been police officers that have gotten a hold of me and said, boy, I don't know how you made it out of this one tonight. You must have somebody. The man upstairs must really like you. And I knew, and, and you know, that's how people talk, but I knew what I was saying. No, no, this is what's happening. My mama and got, has got them church people, and they're praying for me. And that's why, and they used to pray, God, get him on fire. Please get him on fire for you. He set him free. Turn his, his, his heart and his mind towards you. Get him on fire for you. I'm not only a spokesman, I'm also a client. Come on, somebody. Come on. It works. Someone say, it works. it works. Keep praying. I'm praying. I pray in church. Sees miracles. Mark tells us something different in Mark 11. He tells us that Jesus came into, into the temple. He flipped over the tables. Go to the next one. But he adds this, and Jesus would not allow anyone to carry wares through the temple. Then Jesus taught, saying to them, is it not written, my house shall be called a house of prayer? We heard that. Matthew says that. But Mark adds this, for all nations. He's the only one that says that. In other words, Jesus is saying, when you restore prayer back into the house of God, I will cause your church to grow. Prayer causes growth. That's what he's saying here. When Jesus said all nations, this was huge for the Jewish people because they thought it was just about the Jews. They thought finally Jesus come to set us free from the Roman oppression. It's our turn. And that's why Jesus went to the Jews first before he went to the Gentiles because he was fulfilling prophecy. The prophecy said that he must come to his own, but his own received him not. So that's why he came to the Jewish people first. But his whole mind and his whole intention was that he was going to die for everybody. Say Amen. So when he is standing there talking to them, he says, hey, my house shall be a house of prayer, and it's going to be a, prayer, a house of, uh, for people to come from all nations. Look at Ezra chapter 10. It says, when Ezra was praying, go to that next one. While he was praying, and while he was confessing and weeping before God, a very large assembly of men and women and children gathered to him from Israel. I want you to see that. When you begin to pray, when we begin to pray as a church, God begins to send people. That's how many of you are here. You weren't here a couple years ago. The 930s packed out. Still, same way. I'm telling you, what we, what we have been doing has been praying. Praying for y'all. Praying for this church to grow. Praying that God, we stood right here and we would pray to the north. Pray to the south. You remember that, Kim? Pray to the east. Remember that, Mary? Pray to the west. We stood here and prayed some of you in. Sierra, we praise you in, sweetheart. We prayed hard for the east and now for the Downriver group, and we've got <laughs> Downriver showed up. <clears throat> How many's from Downriver in this service? <laughs> oh my God. I'm telling you, our first campus is gonna have to be there. Amen. I'm telling you, it's awesome. 
I remember when Reese and Diana were the first two that gave their hearts to the Lord when I became pastor in 2013. I remember they were the first ones to come up and gave their heart to Jesus. On and on and on, man. We, but we pray. That's how you do. You begin to pray, and God adds to the church. God adds. As, as, while Ezra was praying, God began to bring them in. God showed me in a, in a dream, in a vision, I would see people coming into this church. I remember seeing a car pull up and people just coming out of these cars and they were all different kinds of people, age groups, generations. And I remember watching them in my dream, coming in out of the door, coming in, just coming in through the door and meeting them. And, I, and God was saying, what was he saying? Get ready, get ready. I'm gonna bring in all nations. Everyone say all nations. Mark says this, I don't know if you caught it, he says that he adds this, the only place where it's in the Gospels, but here we're told that Jesus would not allow anyone to carry wares into the church. Did you catch that? Into the temple. What that meant, when you go to Israel, when we were over there, we noticed how big of an area the temple took up. The temple is on top of what's called the Temple Mount, and it's huge. It's a huge piece of real estate. Takes up that whole area. So what would happen is if people were cutting, wanting to go from one side of Jerusalem to the other, it was so big they would cut through the church. They begin to make shortcuts, and they would come to the temple. Jesus stopped them. He said, no, no, don't use the church as a shortcut. This is a house of prayer. I'm turning it to you today and saying that Jesus is simply showing us that there's no shortcuts when it comes to prayer. You and I have got to learn what I'm telling you today. There is no, tell your neighbor there's no shortcuts. He said no shortcuts. There's no way you're going to get through this anymore, trying to make a quick way in, trying to make a quick way out. I want you to come into the house of God, and I want you to learn to stay there for a minute and encounter his presence. Another thing I noticed over there is the steps that are still there today. They're so wide over there. I mean, one step is about three of these steps. And you just take these massive steps as you're going up and down the temple. And I said, why are these steps so large like this? He said they were built that way because God told them to build it this way so people wouldn't run up the steps and run down the steps. It forced them to take their time and walk step at a time into the presence of God because God didn't want people to rush in and rush out or rush in and be all tired and can't wait to get out and exhausted and not able to spend time in the presence of the Lord. That's good stuff. All about this thing about prayer, about getting into his presence. There's no shortcuts when it comes to this thing called prayer. You and I have got to learn to press in, to get a hold of the horns of the altar. And be, there are some things where it's not going to have my mom and dad pray for me, for instance, for years. Sometimes it takes that of, of interceding, of pressing in, and maybe even involving fasting. Oh, my Lord. I just said that F word. Push the plate? Yes. Fasting. It, it's, I mean, I don't want to ask how many, when's the last time you fasted, but Jesus said when you fast. In other words, I'm assuming you're fasting on a regular basis. I'm telling you, you really want to fast? You really want to see God move? It's going to come through fasting. I'll tell, this, I know this is an exciting message, right? Woo! I mean, you guys can't wait to get this on CD, share it on your podcast, but I'm telling you, it's like the foundation. It's, no one ever talks about it. But it's the most important thing. If a storm come through here and rip this building down, we would have insurance and build another one. No, I'm saying, you know what would be standing? This foundation. And let me just tell you this right now. When a storm hits your life, because it's going to happen, 
What will determine you making it is not all the facade, not all the scriptures that you might have outlined in your Bible or highlighted in your Bible or how many scriptures you post on Facebook. What really is going to matter is your ability to get a hold of God in prayer. Please listen to Pastor Eddie today. I know it's not exciting. I know it's not one of those beautiful things, but if you will learn to pray, every man and woman of God that impacted this country had a powerful prayer life. I'm telling you, it's only by prayer. Jesus had such a powerful ministry that his disciples gathered around him and said, Jesus, teach us how to what? Cast out devils, walk on the water? No, they didn't ask him that. They said, teach us how to pray. Why? Because they knew his prayer life was connected to his ministry and his effectiveness in life. You want to be successful in business? You want to be successful in being a parent? You want to be successful? Lay hands on your child. Some of you, amen, pastor, I'm going to lay hands on my kid, all right. Listen, do it. Pray for your children. Husbands, grab your wife. Wife, if your husband ain't saved, grab him and begin to pray over him. Pray over him. I know people that have gotten prayer cloths and prayed over prayer cloths and put them underneath their pillows and prayed and I mean, it's, and they end up getting saved. If you're single, begin to pray that God brings you not just a man, not just a warm body with a pair of blue jeans, but a guy that loves God and fears him and that will cover you and your family in prayer. Be specific. Pray for the man. Pray for the woman. When I was in youth ministry, I made them right out of list, right out of list of what you want him to look like and want him to be like, not just look like. And, you know, teenagers, the first 10 lines are all about his looks. I want him to look like this. I want him to look like that. No, no, no. I want him to get older. You know, that list, you know, may change. But I tell you what, be specific when you pray. You want a guy that's going to pray. Okay, let's go. Luke, let's move on to Luke. Everyone say no shortcuts. <clears throat> Luke tells us this different about that same situation that the chief priests and the scribes And the leaders of the people sought to destroy him. But watch this. They were unable to do anything. For the people were very attentive to hear him. Why? Because prayer keeps out the enemy. Luke said, I want to add this in there. Mark told us that he don't like no shortcuts in prayer. Matthew told us that healing and miracles come by prayer. But I want you to listen. Luke is someone who's very specific. I said, Luke is my favorite gospel. He also wrote the book of Acts. He was a physician, so he's very, he's very specific. When they talk about the lame man being healed, Luke is the only one that says he was lame in both his feet because he's a physician, and he notices from a medical perspective his illness. So Luke gives us more detail than any of the other Gospels. And here he says, I want you to know something. They tried to come against Jesus, but they were unable to because he was a man of prayer. You want to keep the enemy out of our church, keep the enemy out of your life, keep the enemy out of your family? It's going to happen through prayer. But listen how he did this. It says, because the people were attentive to hear him. That was a spirit of unity. That was a spirit of unity that they gave him. In other words, they tried to go after Jesus, but Jesus didn't defend himself. The people had his back. And I said this in the first service. When you begin to pray for one another, you'll have one another's back. How many got people that you don't agree with or you don't like? You know what you, you know how to, you know what to change that? Well, I'm telling you, you start praying for them. It is impossible for you to have an issue or not like somebody if you start praying for them. It will change. That's why Jesus said, pray for your enemies. That's exactly why he said that. 
That's why you need to pray for your leaders. You need to pray for your church leaders. You need to pray for those you don't like. You don't like the president? Pray for him. He got a lot of prayer going right now. Amen. That's how I pray. I know. I'm not going to get political. Just pray. Pray no matter who's in there. We like to pray for our favorites, but I'm telling you, the Bible tells us to pray for our enemies. Pray for those. That when Peter told in the book of Peter to pray for your king, he's talking about King Nero who persecuted the Jews. He was killing them, people. And he said, I want you to pray for them. I mean, it's, why? Because he knows that prayer changes things. And God removed that king, by the way. It's all by prayer, but prayer is one that changes our hearts. Peter said it like this in 1 Peter. He said, be sober and watchful because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion just seeking whom he may mess up, seeking whom he's wanting to devour. You know, you hear me tell you all the time, God has a plan for your life, and he's got a plan for your life, and he wants to bless you. How many believe that's true? Amen. Well, can I tell you that there is an enemy that also has a plan for your life? He also, listen to me, please. He also has a plan for your marriage. He has a plan for your kids. And Jesus told us what it is. It's not good. It's to steal, kill, and destroy. Here, Peter is reminding them. Why is Peter writing it? Because he almost took Peter out. Peter says, he don't play with him. Don't, but be watchful. Why does, watchful means to be prayerful. That's why it's highlighted. It means to be awake spiritually. To be awakened spiritual, spiritually to the thing. Be praying. Be praying. And they, how, that's how you keep the enemy out of your life. And the spirit of unity will come in there and you begin to have one another's back. I can't tell you how important that is for a church. Begin to pray for one another. That's why we're supposed to pray for one another. It keeps the enemy out. Amen? I mean, he's with me. I'm closing. Last one. You ready for this last one? Then we're going to pray. John comes along, and John tells us in chapter 2 that his disciples remembered when Jesus was turning over the tables. This is what John adds that no one else added. He says that he was reminded that the zeal for your house has eaten me up. Number four, prayer restores passion. You, need, you want to get passion into your life and into your walk with God? You need to get passion in there. You begin to pray. I, when I first started praying, everyone was saying, you know, you need to pray an hour. I don't know where they got that from. It's like the spiritual thing to do, I guess, is pray an hour. And I remember trying to pray an hour. Remember, I'm 25 years old. I've always had ADD. Seriously, I'm, not, I'm just always that way. And I remember trying to pray 30 seconds into the prayer. Two minutes, three minutes was like, I was good. I would fall asleep. I would think about, man, this carpet needs to be vacuumed, like right now. I mean, I'm, the dogs would barking, and I'd say, oh, God, this is stupid. If you really want me to pray, make, kill that dog in Jesus' name. I mean, I, I would, you know, one time I read this book on prayer, and they said, I forget who, uh, who wrote this book. It's amazing. If you have distractions while you're praying, pray for those distractions. And they said, if your dog is barking, Pray for that dog. And you know what I did? I prayed. And it was my dog. And I had a husky. Huskies don't bark unless there's an issue. If your husky's barking, you better go check it out. They just are not a barking dog normally. My dad had a husky, and that was a barking dog. So every dog's different. Anyway, my dog would sit there and bark, and it was only when I come to pray. True story. She would be back there, and she would just pray. And nothing just drives you nuts than a barking dog, okay? Amen? And I remember, true story, I prayed, God, I pray you shut the lion's mouth for Daniel. I prayed, and this is maybe silly. You prayed this? I prayed this. 
And I said, God, please shut that dog up. Lord, I'm trying to pray. I'm, I was real tense. I'm, work was, life was falling. I'm telling you, you got to learn to pray. And I kid you not, I begin to pray. That dog went, oh, 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 and stopped. Immediately, just stopped. You mean, Pastor Eddie, an angel went out there? I, I don't know what he did, but that dog quit praying. I or quit barking. I prayed, and he shut his mouth. Come on. So, oh, the devil didn't do it. And I remember sitting there going, wow, this is amazing. So I peeked out, and the dog was just laying down. Mishik was just laying down in her kennel. And I was like, wow, and there's a squirrel, always a squirrel. And, squirrel! <laughs> in, in the backyard. And for my dog, not to, I'm telling you, what I'm saying is, is you, I begin to pray, and I learned to go for prayer walks. I learned to that this prayer thing is key to victory in my life. When I first got saved, man, I was so excited. I was so zealous because he set me free from, from the, all the bondage that I did, the party life. I'm telling you, I, I would sell my soul to party. I loved that lifestyle. And for me to have such a change in my life like that was just amazing. It was a miracle. But about just a little while after that, the, tempta- the zeal and the zealous begin to wear off. And now I'm, I'm faced with some major temptations. And what was God doing? He was removing that honeymoon season for my life, forcing me to get and develop a prayer life. Not a prayer thing. Hear me. A prayer life. Because he said, Eddie, I have a plan for you. You have no idea. But I'm going to lead you and your family out to Belleville, Michigan. In two th- I didn't even know where this city was. I'm from the hood. I'm not out here in the country. I didn't know where Belleville was, but God did. He saw me. He said, Eddie, I got a plan. And I got two daughters that I gave you care for. And I have a plan for your two daughters. And they're going to be godly women. And I got a plan for your wife. I got a plan for your family. But it's not going to happen unless I teach you to prayer. So I'm going to start removing some comforts out of your life. And I'm going to force you to start seeking me. And let me stretch you. And let me stretch you to pour that anointing into your life. So you can learn to pray and not run. Come on, somebody. So you'll learn to pray. You'll learn to pray and not run when you go through it. The Garden of Gethsemane where Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, I was there. I saw it. Gethsemane is a place where the olives, where they made olive oil. We watched them when they made olive oil. You know how they did that? They had a big, st- a big stone that they put olives in it, and that stone would just go around. It had a donkey pulling it, and it would just crush the olives. But they crushed the olives because that's the only way to get the olive oil out of the olives. So when Jesus is in that garden... It's symbolic to spiritually. He was allowing himself to be pressed and to be crushed and let that anointing, hallelujah, that anointing to run out of his body and to be able to go into the ends of the earth. Somebody stand with me today in this place. Come on, stand with me in this place. Let that anointing, but that anointing had to be crushed out of Jesus. And what I'm telling you is that prayer, prayer is not fun. It's not exciting when you first start to do it. But let me be honest with you. I'm a word guy. I'm going to teach on that here coming up. I love this book. I hated reading another miracle. I hated reading in school. Had to take four English classes to graduate. Summer school, night school, everything. School, school was all English because I slept through English. I hated to read. You start reading and then wah, 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 I was out. I was out. And for me to stand up and tell you that I, I read this every day for 20 years, I've read this every day. And I'm not exaggerating. I made that a personal law 
personal legalism for me, not a corporate legalism. You don't do it unless you, you need to read it every day. You need to set some standards in your life. One of mine was to read, and I love it. You got to study this thing. Christian, sooner or later, you're going to have to learn this. So true. <laughs> Let me be real with you. Welcome to River of Life. I'm Pastor Eddie. Good to have you here. You know what? In real life, sooner or later, you're going to have to learn what this book says. You're going to have to learn it. And I'm, I'm encouraging you to learn it before the trial. When a soldier's in battle, he can't run back to his sergeant and say, teach me how to load the gun again. Bullets are flying over his head. He's like, that's what boot camp was for. Get out there. I'm giving something out today. So you got to learn to get in that word. I don't care. You got it on apps. We have it on so many resources are available today. You can, if you like preaching, go to preaching. My Lord, you can get everybody in the world from around the world preaching to you. Get the word in. Get the word. Meditate every day. Spend time in word and spend time in prayer. And you watch God do, do some miracles in your life. You watch God do some breakthroughs in your life. There's no shortcuts, church. There's no shortcuts. It's going to continue to be praying. And prayer is the only way that God is going to do it. And you know what would happen? And here's why I'm, I'm ending with this. As I begin to develop my prayer life, guess what? That excitement about the new, because everything new is exciting at first. But then church began to become like, oh, same church, same worship, same music. And I, Pastor Rob from DWO was the most energetic worship pastor you've ever seen. But even him began to get kind of routine. And, 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 I, and I said, I finally found myself moving into the danger zone. My wife posted this video. I haven't watched it yet, but she says, I got to watch it by KB, a Christian rapper. Yes, God's in a Christian rap. Anyway, and he's got this video called Beware of the Drift. Go to her Facebook. If you, you don't know her on social media, it's only, I love the way we are today in society. Go to my wife, first, first lady's Facebook. Click on KB's article on Beware of the Drift. And I realized that I was heading into the danger zone. You can get into the danger zone. And I call it the echoes of the wilderness. The children of Israel came out of Egypt. They, then they, they got through the wilderness. They got all the way to the promised land, but he couldn't bring them into the promised land because they started to hear echoes from the wilderness. Come on, flesh. Come on, flesh. Come on, flesh. And they began to pull them out. But Joshua and Caleb stood up because they had a different spirit. Joshua was first introduced as a young man who would not depart from the temple of the Lord. How did he make it through the echoes of the wilderness? How did he make it from the drifting? Because he learned how to stay in the presence of God. He learned how to stay as a young man, 18, 19. But he would not depart from the house of God. Y'all go do what you're going to do. Y'all get turned up however you want. I'm going to get turned up for Christ. I'm going to get into the temple. I'm going to get into his presence because there's something about Moses that I want. I want my face to shine. I want my staff to part the Red Sea. I want that anointing. I want my marriage to make it. I want my family to make it. I want that anointing. It's only going to come through prayer. Jesus. Jesus, what are you saying to us today? What are you saying in this August, Sunday, summer day? What do you want from me, Jesus? 
Come on, lift your hands to him. Ask him that right now. What do you want? We always ask you, God, to do something. But what do you want me to do? Some of us need to get our prayer life back. Some of us need to just be encouraged that God is hearing your prayers. Keep praying. It's working. Pastor Eddie, it's getting worse. No, no, no. Let me tell you something. My mom and dad thought it wasn't working, but I'm standing here today. It works. Come on, can we turn this into a prayer meeting right now? Just begin to call up on your God. Lift your hands to him right now. If you need Jesus in your life and you're not a Christian, you need to just ask him to come into your heart right now. If you need to get filled with the Holy Spirit, just ask him to fill you right now. Just come on, just lift your hands to him right now in your seat. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Father, we just pray. We seek your face. Come on, begin to pray. Begin to get in there. Begin to pray. Go ahead, pray, pray, pray. Press in, press in. Press in in this place. Press in in this place. These altars are open. If you want to come out of your seat, you come on up if you want. But I want to end this service with us praying today. I want us to end this service with the way I'm preaching is, and that is to pray. Let a spirit of prayer. Come on. Come on. Get out of your seat if you want to come up. Whatever. Come on. Let's just pray. Let's turn this into a prayer meeting. Come on. Begin to seek God. If you got a need right now, just bring it up. Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord. Fall on us, Lord. Fall on us, Lord. Jesus. Thanks for listening. We trust that God has spoken to you through today's message. If you would like to know more about our church or if you would like to help support the ministry, please go to www.rol-ag.org. River of Life Assembly of God, a church of His presence, His promises, and all people.